Hi, welcome to Nectar's Conversations. I'm your host, Pascal Tremblay. I'm the co-founder of Nectar, we're a psychedelic support ecosystem. And today I'm calling from Kaslo, uh, the ancestral lands of the Sinite and Kanaha people. And I'm really honored today and, and really happy to talk to Shiri Godasi. Um, hi, Shiri. Hi, Pascal. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. Where are you calling from? I'm calling from Costa Rica and uh, on uh, the edge of Tamarindo, which is a beautiful surf beach town. And I'm looking at the jungle outside my window. So it's pretty bright and beautiful. And I'm sending lots of healing jungle vibes to anyone who is listening right now. I'm receiving those healing jungle vibes right now. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> she, you, you've been around in a psychedelic space for many years. You're a pioneer in some ways around integration and, and community building and activism. Uh, for people who don't know you, would you like to do a short intro and tell people what you're up to in the world? Sure, sure. Thank you. Uh, so I'm Cherie Godesai, uh, born in Israel. My name literally means sacred song in my native language of Hebrew. Uh, my superpowers are uh, poetry of the unconscious and uh, igniting quantum leap transformations on multidimensional dimensional levels. My values are creation and connection. Uh, which I feel that this is what I'm here to serve, and that is my so, uh, my soul code. And I'm very much interested in the psyche of, uh, of, of this, in the study of psyche and soul. So I've been swirling in the psychedelic space for about eight years now. It is kind of interesting to hear that it seems like, uh, like you say, for many years, because when I got started, I was a complete, complete novice. Uh, the word consciousness at the time meant absolutely nothing to me. Uh, and yet, eight years later, it is really interesting to uh, to look back and review what has been created in, within that window of time and how it still keeps unfolding. So thank you for that reminder. And thank you for doing such beautiful work since those eight years. And yeah, it's such a interesting space, a psychedelic space, because it's such a multidimensional one. And um, as we, you know, the years unfold, it kind of feels like an eternity sometimes. And yet we're still new at this and still exploring so many different things in, in the world within ourselves and also in the in the, the community that we're forming and the, the movement that we're part of. And um, it's a beautiful journey for all of us. Um, and one of the topics we wanted to talk about today is right relationship. Um, we had Joseph Mays here from Chakruna uh, last week uh, talking about reciprocity. Um, and he had beautiful things to say around right relationship to the land and communities and honoring the roots of the communities from which the medicines come from. Um, and it's such a multidimensional question to ask, what is right relationship to psychedelic use looks like? I'd love to hear your personal journey around that, like things that are emerging for you these days, like things that are top of mind, top of heart, uh, anything that you'd like to share around that for you personally would be totally welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And specifically, I'm answering the invitation to, uh, to speak to what it means to me personally, because I know that there are uh, many teachers in the field, many teachers that have also studied under the guidance of indigenous elders and with the land. Um, I have not had that type of study, so I cannot speak for the ancient traditions and how what reciprocity, reciprocity looks like to them, uh, but more of what the journey has been like for me and what I have learned being a, uh, a, pers a person that is very much interested in uh, utilizing the modality of psychedelic 
uh, therapy for my spiritual, psychological uh, evolvement, and also to be contributing to, uh, to the evolution of humanity and um, the return to the age of communities. So first and foremost, being a psychedelic integration person, uh, I am aware that especially now with uh, the expansion of our field and so many people approaching this modality with an idea that uh, psychedelic therapy is going to change their lives and because oftentimes they approach this modality after the uh, typical typical health system has failed them and they are looking for that magic pill. And we do know that the media is largely responsible for uh, selling that idea that psychedelics can be a magic pill and can be the solution to a, a person's problems. Um, you know, there's that famous analogy of one trip can equal to 10 years in therapy, 20 years in therapy. Um, so actually it's both the media and I believe also our community um, that generate that narrative. So with that, a lot of people that are approaching this modality potentially have the belief or are conditioned to think that psychedelic integration and approaching the modality of psychedelic therapy necessarily means that they uh, they are required to go through some type of uh, an initiation with a medicine, to try different medicines, to do it in a certain way, to uh, partake with it in a certain uh, rhythm or uh, in certain intervals. Uh, people are following the studies, you know, they think they have to do, you know, this number of treatments within this number of time. And there are all these protocols flowing around and all these ideas and to a point where, you know, I feel like people believe that psychedelic integration means a direct and constant engagement with the medicine, with the medicine, with the psychedelics, with the, with the substances. And uh, I myself on my journey have also believed that for many years and uh, being a person that, again, did not come from a conscious background. I come with uh, from a lineage with boatloads of trauma, intergenerational trauma, uh, lots of issues and in, uh, in the family and culturally and uh, really approach this modality with the same idea of, OK, this is what you know, this is amazing. I'm all in and I'm going to do it as often as I can. Uh, and utilizing, of course, all the different tools that I, I are, are disposable to me to really make the most out of it. And it's interesting because I got to a point um, just over a year ago, right after I moved to Costa Rica, where finally, you know, I left Los Angeles uh, with my family and uh, and really finally found a space where I can just let go of all the stories and conditioning uh, that have been uh, that have been deeply ingrained in me, both from my background and also my work in the psychedelic sphere. And it was during a ketamine journey that um, I received an insight that there's nothing else for me to figure out in this space by continuously approaching psychedelics and returning to trip after trip, I just need to take a break and rest. I need mm -hmm. to sleep. 
I need to, to, to get activity that honors my body. I need to sit down and spend time with my daughter and play with her. I need to invest time in cooking myself food. And so I can be in more of a, uh, uh, an honoring rhythm and cadence with the person I am. So for me, really that insight that again, that ketamine journey was, uh, really pivotal. And I decided to, um, take a break for the time being from, uh, any, uh, engagement with, uh, psychoactive substances. And it's been over a year now. I completed a full year of celibacy, what I call celibacy. <laughs> um, and, uh, I just popped that. I just broke that, uh, chair or just popped that, um, just completed that cycle with a journey that I had a couple of weeks ago, but it was over a year that I did not, uh, engage with that modality. And it's been, Definitely a year where the idea of right relationship began unfolding for me and what that looks like. Um, so that was a background answer to your question of what is right relationship mean to me? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. That yeah. you, I, I love the word celibacy. I've never heard that before. It's yeah. really interesting. Uh, one of the most powerful experiences I've ever had was like the most non-experience psychedelic experience ever, where I just blanked out and I was left with the message and the question, like, what did that mean to me? Because I came in with the intention of opening the celestial realms and meeting the unicorns and having this huge <laughs> download and I was ready, I can do this. I'm, I'm ready to step into the stairway to heaven. And I just got a black screen the whole time. Um, and the, the answer I got after processing that, and of course, at first I was a little bit disappointed. I was like, where's my healing? You know, well, how come I didn't get blown into the universe? Um, and the, the question and the answer to the question I had was basically just sit down slow down, integrate what you've been receiving the last five years and slow things down a lot more, be more gentle. And so I did two years of celibacy mm -hmm. uh, and that was the most, you know, powerful psychedelic experience of my life is to interface with life itself as the medicine, mm -hmm. as myself, as the source of, of wisdom and teachings. And, um, you know, just as well from a practical point of view, integrating my first experiences still, and I still am integrating those experiences. And I, I feel like what you're touching on here is very valuable and also kind of kind of culture in a way, because you've, you know, we, we are, have a culture of chasing peak experiences. Like you said, we are chasing the big downloads and, um, there is a, a culture around, uh, this is going to fix everything for me. And, um, there's lots of clinics out in the world right now where it's kind of like an in and out, you know, place where you come in, do your session and you leave and you're back home. And um, what happened to you in the last year in terms of like, how did you process or integrate the, your previous journeys? Like what changed with this aspect towards yourself that is honoring and gentle? Like what are examples of things that changed for your insights you received during this, this year of integration? Yeah, thank you. So, um, picking off on where I left off in my answer. So the idea of psychedelic into right relationship to me in the psychedelic space, which is of course our topic at hand is to find your own rhythm souls code and follow that as your method for psychedelic integration, which also means that being in right relationship with this modality does not necessitate psychedelic use. And this is what I really want to emphasize 
Um, there may be seasons where you are more pulled towards this modality and other seasons where, again, if you are in deep attunement, um, you will notice um, in subtle ways, not through, um, you know, big life events, big changes, disasters that sometimes we have to go through that slap us awake and out of our patterns. Um, but you will basically get the message uh, and with more ease and then follow that and then learn that actually the ceremony is right here in this dimension, meaning we are spiritual beings of course, living through human experience, but we don't live in the ether. A part of us is from the ether. A part of us is always communicating with that space, but the body is here in the third dimension. So mm -hmm. uh, this was probably one of the biggest insights for me. And uh, as a person that is uh, highly analytical, I study, I have a psychology background. I have a master's in psychology. I studied union analysis. Um, I'm very fascinated with that aspect of diving deep into the psyche and really getting into the archetypes and the symbols and uh, finding the, uh, how they correlate and what stories are weaved around those liminal spaces. And that fascination I've, I found this year has really removed me from being deeply attuned with my body. And as we all know, trauma is encoded in the physical vessel. It's encoded in the body. And uh, one of the symptoms of trauma is dissociation, dissociation from the physical realm. You're dissociating from the reality that we live in this space because there's something in that reality that is too triggering or too overwhelming, or we are unable to correspond with it and respond with it in a healthy manner. So we dissociate people who have suffered from trauma tend to dissociate into other realms psychic realms and um, because we are we're not able to be embodied and to maintain all of the energy with all of the stories all the traumas all the triggers in this body so learning that um when, when I first received the instruction, quote unquote, of, okay, you just start, start attuning to your sleep, start taking supplements, start just taking care of the human in you. You know, I've been like really deeply attuned to the spirit in me for so many years, but not attuned to the human in me. Um, I had no compassion for it. I wasn't taught to have compassion for it as a child. I wasn't <laughs> modeled that as a child. Uh, my parents, bless their heart and soul, you know, are very hardworking, people uh, that have worked seven days a week until their 70s. And um, I've, you know, I've learned to work ethic and I've learned to work mm -hmm. myself near to near death, but I've not ha had learned how to have compassion for this human and take care of this, this human needs uh, without completely dissolving. So attuning to the body was a huge lesson. And I honestly, like, I feel like with this lesson, this was like the umbrella theme that from, from once I kind of got that, everything else started to fall into place in that regard. Um, I, I love this so much because it's been the same process as me. Like I'm a very analytical person as well. And a lot of my journey has been around like go, leaving this a little bit more and going into my body more. And um, when you talked about kind of being raised in the hardworking family, my dad is and my grandfather and probably my great grandfather were really hard workers. And it, I think it speaks to kind of the social norms of the time, too, and how we were kind of sold as children for some of us to just 
work hard, push through, you got this, don't give up, keep working, make more money. Um, and from that perspective, we've seen now how the societal fabric is uh, these days and what it's teaching us is really to go back the opposite way and being more attuned to, like you said, energy and being more attuned to our body, mm-hmm. being more attuned to the cycles of nature, which you, you touched mm-hmm. on a little bit. So mm-hmm. I love that you're in that same process because I really feel like that's kind of the next age of of the world, really. I'd love to hear more around like what do you see next for us in terms of how do we... Um, embody these teachings and how are how are things going to work and how are how do we interface with our healing journey from that perspective what do you see coming up next this is such a powerful question so first of all where i'm being i feel like i'm being taken is you know as leaders in the space right and i learned only in the last couple years that i'm in a leadership position this was like big news for me (laughs) as someone who came to, you know, to that wanted to support people in integration processes. I had no idea. I mean, you know, I did have an idea, but I wasn't willing to fully embody the idea that people are actually looking up to me and modeling themselves after me. And, and I feel like in the psychedelic space, there is, um, I mean, much like, much like the, the bigger story in society, the cultural norms that you are touching upon, Pascal, is that we are conditioned to be generating, producing, human doing. We're not human beings. We're, we're created to be human doings. And, and we are awarded and prized for, again, the work ethic, for, um, you know, uh, contributing to society, for being available, for building businesses, for, I don't know what, for building castles in the sand. And I feel like a lot of people in the psychedelic community as well, because it almost feels like there is such a race to get everything set up for the masses to, to, to enter our field. Yes. Yes, it feels, absolutely. It feels so overwhelming. And and because a lot of us are here, most of us, if not all of us even, are here for service. We want to serve. We want to make ourselves available. We are we are uh, seeing ourselves as stewards and as shepherds that are, like Ramdas said, are here to walk each other home. And we want to be there for one another. But oftentimes this comes at our own expense, in our own expense of um, of, again, remembering that we are our work is not created in a season, it's created over in a lifetime. So I have noticed that cycle within me in the last about year and a half or two years uh, of literally working myself to the bone. Uh, you know, my, my integration certification program really like exploded in the last couple of years and I gave everything I had to that program to a point where I was completely under-resourced. I was barely even able to show up to my clients who, you know, who, uh, who wanted to, to join on this journey with me, paying clients who invested their resources and in, in, uh, my services. And I saw that I was not being a good role model for these people that are modeling themselves after my leadership style. So um, once I noticed, I became aware of that through some pretty difficult lessons, I, um, I had to make a choice, you know, I, and this is part of my one, my desire to be in right relationship 
not just with myself, but also with my community and with the energy that I'm generating and the ripples I'm putting out in the world, I I realize that I do not want to contribute to the doing culture. I don't want to contribute to model uh, to people that are modeling themselves after me in the psychedelic world that to be a psychedelic contributing service person, you have to work yourself to the bone and literally to a point where you have no time for your own integration practice, you know, selling yourself cheap, contributing everything you have back to the community with almost no resources for yourself. Um, these are lessons that I'm still learning in some ways, you know, and, and, uh, and in the last few months, I've uh, been really blessed to be uh, awakened and uh, invited to join the uh, the feminine cycle. Once I was able to finally in Costa Rica shed those masculine doing productive energies, then that was when I received an energetic invitation to to explore the feminine. And uh, and it's it's been a big lesson in uh, surrender and creation for sure. Uh, but mm-hmm. this. This is what I want to model. This is what the, what I wish to put out in the world. And um, and this is what is leading me right now, is how to be able to show up for psychedelic service that is soul aligned and is deeply attuned with who we are and also models the new earth consciousness that we want to realize right here and now. Um, you know, what cycles do we want to obliterate it's not just speaking out about them, but it's also being the reality that we want to create. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right now I'm practicing being in that space of the being. Uh, and I, you know, I feel like this is like the first step to that new world that you're talking about is, you know, what am I seeing? Well, first it begins with us. Yes. First, begins with with us and how we show up to the everyday, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So before I talk about the vision, I really want to just nail that. Is first it begins with us, and in some ways that is more important than what the vision is, because the vision is somewhere in the future, but we can be that reality right now with the way that we choose to show up to this moment. Yes, beautiful. And I I resonate so much with what you're sharing because I'm on the same journey. And it's, it feels like such a paradox of being in this exponential age of information and everything in the psychedelic space, like you mentioned, there is a chase to like, create the capacity or the structure or the offerings to like, you know, help as many people as possible. And we need to do it now and it can feel quite overwhelming. And as a co founder of a company uh, in the space, like I can share personally, like it's, it has been a wild ride of, of being in that mode of like doing and uh, over time realizing I need to go way more in a slower mode. Um, and what I've realized is uh, is just looking at nature and how nature is actually the teacher here for me. And uh, the invitation is just to go stand next to the trees and just like be present with that and be calm with that and connect with the calmness and the slowness and the, the 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 energies of the earth really like nourishing me instead of like being in this external horizontal field of doing all the time i've learned to slow it things down and in circles that i'm a part of like the biggest thing i hear is overwhelm i feel tired oh. i feel i'm doing too much and all my friends are in the space 
therapists, body workers, you know, practitioners, and they all say the same thing. It's that feeling of overwhelm. Um, and you mentioned kind of the rise of the age of feminine, which is inviting us to being more and, and more slowness and nourishing and, and slowing things down. I'm curious, um, and just one last thing on the business side is, um, it's probably another conversation altogether, but I really feel like my experience being in, in, in a in a company in this space is that also capital, the money that we're putting in the space is asking mm -hmm. us to do even more. It's like reaching yeah. metrics and like making more money and being on the stock market, IPOing. There's a lot of like structure being built right now that I feel has that mm -hmm. very strong doing energy that I feel is really not serving the space. And so my invitation has been to kind of counter that by imagining what it looks like to be in service like you have to, in, a, in a more nourishing way. And yeah. one thing I'd like to, 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 to explore with you a little bit is also your role as, as a mother and how that mm -hmm. shift has changed. Because for me personally, when I'm doing this doing with Nectara, my son sometimes comes to me and says, hey, daddy, when is Nectara going to be done? <laughs> and I feel I, I feel terrible and I'm like well it's never going to be done um, and then I just stop my work and go play with him and so I, I'd be curious for you as a mother what that experience has been like on your journey oh my god thank you for asking and it, I mean so every time uh, you know the children speak your child my daughter when I hear my daughter speaks in a similar air of come play with me. And then I find myself hearing, oh, but you know, I gotta blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm reminding myself that the universe is asking me to stop everything and go play and, and put to rest whatever tasks I, th I think I may have, you know, the laundry the you know, you got to put dinner on the table, all these adult adulting chores that we are called to, uh, fulfill. Um, and really trying to remind myself that, more than anything, and this took me a while to learn, my first role before I'm committed to this mission, before I'm committed to my clients, before I'm committed to service, being a community organizer, all these roles that I took upon myself, um, my biggest creation will be one good human that I am creating that to the best of my ability, hopefully will be trauma free, at least, you know, direct trauma. Uh, no, you know, that if I can just create one good human that will not need to heal and spend their most of their adult life on healing like I did, like many of us do, what would that, how would that shape the world and how would that contribute to the greater mission? So first and foremost, I always attempt to return to that when I can. Um, and then when I became a mom, it was interesting because you know, first of all, as a woman, and, you know, this was in 2017, 18, 17, that I uh, created the psychedelic um, integration community in Los Angeles. And I, uh, of course, got pregnant. And that was obviously a big blessing. But I also found myself really torn between, again, my role as in the community to being a mother. So for example, um, I remember evenings when, you know, I put my daughter or, you know, try to put my daughter to sleep. And then, had an integration circle an hour away. We were living in Los Angeles at the time, so there was a lot of traffic. So literally just giving my daughter to my husband and trying to drive to the event and stopping on the side of the road in the dark, crying because it felt like 
I just want to be with my daughter. Like, I don't care about any integration circle right now. Um, I, I felt very torn, to be very frank, uh, very, very torn uh, between my commitment to, um, again, to my work and my daughter. Um, so I was in that conflict for at least two or three years, to be fair. I uh, attempted to return to, again, what I thought I needed to do. And I keep saying, I keep returning to that because in my mind at the time, the place where I was at, I felt like, again, I was on a mission to help humanity through psychedelic support and nothing was going to get in the way of that. But it really became a compulsion. Um, it became unhealthy. I had postpartum depression. I had a lot of anxiety and um, I attempted to return to journeying. I took my daughter to an ayahuasca ceremony when she was six months old, um, you know, and then try to go again to ceremony. And I just happened to miss her first steps uh, as, a, as a child. So when, when that happened, that was a big wake up call to you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a human and my mind may be limitless and wants to do all the things and can do all the things. But at the end of the day, this human, the human resources are limited. And how do I bridge between the very limited linear time that I have to this one human body that wants to be in several places at the same times and do really important things and, uh, and, and that very slow journey of embodying that insight has been um, very grounding for me, you know, because my daughter is the reminder that I live here and she needs me. And as a psyche knot that travels, you know, far into, into all the, those spaces, it's, um, I, as a mother, I have a responsibility first and foremost to return home to her. So, I do feel that that itself also really helped me kind of pull away from the psychedelic therapy modality because it is so demanding, because it is so taxing, because when you go to an ayahuasca ceremony or even an LSD journey at home, you need at least 10 hours of your time. You know, as a mother, I did not have that privilege to just take 10 hours off and then, of course, time to integrate after that. Um, I try to, but very quickly realize that um, at this season of my life, I, I, I'm called to make different choices. So, so being a parent has been really a, a real beautiful grounding agent for me. And as I feel has helped me become more embodied in my path. But I just also want to give a shout out to all the parents and all them, especially also mothers that go through childbirth and labor and, uh, and, and are tasked with, again, the return to the body from healing, from giving life physically, emotionally, psychologically. It's really no easy task. It took me two and a half years, three years to return to being Sheree after I gave birth. Um, and um, yeah, but now with all of that, I just want to wrap that up with Everything that I do now is in hopes of providing a better future for our children. So the purpose is also shifted. Um, I'm really hoping that my um, my work of attempting to be loving kindness in the moment now will bring about an age of peace that my daughter will be able to live in a more peaceful world. Um, I'm more devoted to the uh, to the transformation of consciousness for 
ease and being and flow for all beings. And I'm not really even attached to the psychedelic modality anymore. I'm really seeing it as a tool and not the thing that will get us there, which I, I think has also been a really big shift for me. Yeah. Thank you. And I also been on the same journey of um, less psychedelics and more um, living every day as a ceremony, um, Mm -hmm. using things like breath work, for example, which is really accessible. You can do it in an hour or even 30 minutes and it can really help shift your life in a very deep way and um, allowing integration to kind of be microdosed too in terms of um, integration, not necessarily just like the psychedelic experience itself, not necessarily needing to be this big program or this big thing that you do over many months. It could just be something that you start your day with or like you inject in like while recording a podcast, for example, is how can I use those resources that I've learned or things to like integrate in the moment and using life itself as the, as the journey. And uh, what you've talked about speaks so much to this idea of like um, the the micro influencing the macro. Um, And it starts to touch on maybe certain mixed myths that we have around um, psychedelic integration. Do you have some um, ideas to share around like what are some ways that you see uh, integration sometimes having myths in the community or things that are, um, you know, why do we do integration? How do we do it? Are there things that you'd like to share around that? How much time do we have for that? Because we have like 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, plenty of myths. Again, and this is, of course, my very subjective POV. Okay, I just want to put it out there. Uh, I have one version of the truth as I see it. And of course, it's not the ultimate and ulterior truth. I just want to put that out there. And I also highly believe in pluralism. I believe that no method is right or wrong. Um, I think there is room for all the opinions in the psychedelic revival. And um, and I'm, I'm going to sh- contribute my opinion to the table. So um, one myth that I see circulating in the community at large is the myth of surrender. The myth of, okay, come to the ceremony surrender to the medicine, surrender to the facilitator, surrender to the container, and basically just completely forfeit all of your uh, sovereignty, your willpower, your decision-making, your discernment, your rights, sense of self, and give it up to a force that is outside of you. I humbly see where uh, this potentially has stemmed. Of course, this is, there's, there are many cultural um, aspects to this. We, you know, we are, because we are at an age we, when we are redesigning our relationship with psychedelic therapy, we're doing it based on, uh, you know, lineage, um, excuse me, indigenous traditions that have been around for a long time and have been practicing uh, their relationships with the plant medicines in their way. We have drawn some elements from uh, the 50s, the 60s, uh, all of, and of course the 80s when the age of um, MDMA-assisted psychotherapy began in, the, um, in different places of the world. So we are drawing from different modalities and trying to piece together a story that would be appropriate for this time. So the surrender element, I feel, uh, is really borrowed largely, and I could be wrong, but I think it's borrowed from the indigenous traditional uh, cultures of surrender to the medicine, surrender to the plant medicine. I believe that um, 
currently one of the bigger lessons that we are being hopefully uh, being taught or the, the, the medicines are attempting to teach us is to return to our sovereignty and to reclaim our power as creators. Meaning at any time, any place, and I'm, I'm refraining from saying in the ceremony, because again, as you say, Pascal, the ceremony is here and now every day is a ceremony. Every moment is a ceremony. But at any time, at any moment, including in the psychedelic trip, psychedelic ceremonies where we are told to surrender, we not only have the right and the privilege, but we have an opportunity to practice being sovereign and being completely present with the medicine, with spirit, with source, whatever you want to call it, with your inner healer and co-creating with it, practicing being in co-creation and finding that edge of balance of what it looks like to dance with the transpersonal forces. Again, whatever is outside or inside of us that is not the eye observer and interact with it in a way that is beautiful and beneficial and and uh, regenerating and and doesn't completely um, run over you like a truck and doesn't completely um, um, sorry let me rephrase that I don't believe that the transpersonal is here to uh, put us down or make us second guess our abilities in, in, in the medicine. I believe that it's actually trying to empower us to get up and, and find our power and design our moment to moment, including in the ceremony. Um, and I believe that once we embody that, and again, letting go of the surrender mindset to a co-creator mindset, um, then we really have a chance to eliminate what we call quote unquote bad or difficult trips we can create really beautiful things in ceremony. We can really hone in on the goals that we have or the intentions that we have and really potentiate them, amplify the benefits. So I feel like that mindset shift of, again, you're not here to surrender, you're here to co-create. Um, of course, from the ceremony really ripples out into the everyday and reminds people that we are here to create this world. You know, we're not here to surrender to whatever religion tells us the government tells us, the systems tells us, I feel like the surrender narrative is like an, a replication of a much larger, broader social indoctrination um, mm -hmm. that I feel can truly be examined at this time and, and completely shift our relationship with this modality. So that's one big thing that I feel is um, important, surrender versus co-creation. Yeah, it's a beautiful one. Um, I think it speaks to uh, just like our parents and society back in the 40s and 50s uh, were all about kind of reaching the top and making it happen, working hard. There's all, there was also a narrative then of you're alone and you have to figure it out by yourself mm -hmm. and you got to walk the path by yourself, essentially. And what I found to, again, being kind of an instruction or an inspiration from nature is it's not I got this, it's we got this. So when we're surrendering to the medicine or giving our agency um, to some external force, I feel like there's a relationship there within ourselves that says that there's something above me, there's something I have to figure out by myself, there's yeah. something that uh, is happening to me and I need to hold it all by myself. And I feel like we're rewiring that slowly. And uh, in, in a very large way and within our communities. And I love that you talked or mentioned the age of communities earlier. And I feel like it touches a little bit on that surrender piece. Um, can you talk a bit more about 
um, the age of communities and what that looks like for you? Oh my God, yes, Return of the Tribes. Return of the Tribes. Um, so this is a discussion that I've been having with other members of, of the local community here. And right now, as we are seeing uh, with current world events, more than before, we are seeing more polarization uh, in uh, the opinions that are um, that that are coming up in response to, for example, the pandemic, the um, AI generators. So these are causing <laughs> stirring big conversations, and a lot of people are um, uh, feel um, invited or uh, evoked to share very specific opinions on the matter. And even though it seems polarizing, I do feel that it's there's an invitation here for people to uh, to claim their voice and to state their truth and articulate their values. Um, again, because we are not, for a lot of us, we're unable to just kind of sit and watch um, as these big world events happen. So we are being invited to take a stand and to articulate what we stand for. And even though it seems polarizing, um, you know, if, and breaking up communities, people are finding that, you know, maybe, maybe they used to belong to a certain circle of friends, but now they have different opinions. They don't feel like they can hang out with them. I do feel like ultimately this, what seems like polarization is actually an invitation to find or uh, to magnetize or to seek the quote unquote, others who are very similar to us and have uh, similar worldviews, similar values, similar value system, belief system, similar perspectives, because um, there is a lot to be said about the, um, the, the power and the uh, synergy that happens when people come together and collaborate. So I feel like actually there is an opportunity to kind of break up all the um, relationships that are kind of stale or lukewarm and in some ways take up a lot of energy to manage and uphold and to really focus on those relationships that are more collaborative, that are more uplifting, that, you know, with people that somewhat think, you know, again, have the same value system. And then when that synergy happens and we are able to co-create really great things in the world. And, and I, I'm seeing that. I mean, there are already com communities uh, building all across the world. Obviously, Costa Rica is a hub for that. Pe people that think the same, see the world in the same way, they get together and they build really big, beautiful things. And, uh, and I feel like this will be the one of the ways that we are, you know, we're, right now we're building bridges towards the new age. And, and we are really being asked to be more discerning where, with where we are uh, diverting our attention. As we know, our, you know there's um, competition and a race to just completely um, uh, dilute our attention span. And we're really being uh, tested on how we are able to focus our intention and what we can create out of it. So if we can free ourselves from the need, and this, you know, this may seem... Um, 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 it may be questionable to some people, but if we free ourselves from the need to be in relationship with absolutely everyone, if we 
make a de- conscious decision to really focus and uh, and invest our time in people and communities and projects that truly feel soul aligned, that feel like they're speaking to our highest values, where we can really make the most impact and the most contribution together. I wonder how much uh, less overwhelmed we will feel and how much more in tune we will feel and actually how much more impact we'll, we'll be able to make. And of course, while remaining highly kind and compassionate towards any other uh, group or person, but I don't believe that we're meant to be everyone's friend in this lifetime or contribute our energy to everyone. I really do believe that uh, we're returning to our soul brothers, sisters, um, soul family, and that each soul family is going to contribute their own genius and their own medicine to this bigger melting pot. And this bigger melting pot is the bridge to uh, the new age of consciousness. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, We have a very deep community here in Caslow. Um, uh, Therapists, practitioners, healers, energy workers, there's just like an amalgamate of like different folks here that are really soul aligned uh, on their purpose. And also some of my closest friends, like deep Mm -hmm. friends that are part of the soul family, they have very, very different political views as me, for example. They have very divergent views from what I believe aligns with me. And yet there's a deep, deep connection there that is formed around shared values and soul purpose that uh, oversees everything else, supersedes everything else. And so through that forming of the community and relationships, we're really reforming what it means to live in the world in a supportive way. And I feel like that's a really big mm-hmm. uh, insight for, for us to to download and to start to embody because it really is the medicine that the, the earth is asking us to do is to come back together and stop yes. dividing. And it's really a, a medicine for the polarization that you've mentioned. Um, and on, on a certain level around that, it also speaks to our relationship to our own healing journey around uh, dancing with the light and dark and not being attached to things, being all okay all the time and turning yes. towards rather than turning away from things. And so there's a lot of deeply embedded societal and cultural things that touch on that that frame of mind, including the surrendering that you talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, uh, so there's a lot to, to unfold here. I wish we had two more hours, but uh, I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear more uh, before we close around um, your personal vision of the psychedelic space, like your own perspective of how things are unfolding and where, where would yeah. you like it to, to go? Well, can I, would you mind if I just some, tie something up with the idea of values, which I feel is such a key point, Please, yeah. tying it back to how we started the conversation of right relationship. Again, what does right relationship mean? To each person, it's going to look and feel different. And what will um, what is your North Star and each person's North Star is values. What is your value system? And does this decision, this modality, this method, um, this, rela- how, this relationship, how does it align with your value system? If it's aligned with your values, then it's right. If it's misaligned with your values, then it's not right. And I feel like following the values uh, North Star is really the key to everything, to business management, obviously to friendships, but this is how we come into right relationship. So does, is it aligned with my values or is it not aligned with my values? 
Beautiful. I'm going to put a link in the show notes uh, for Nectar's integration roadmap, which has some prompts and a process to kind of dive deeper into your values. And I find that such a North Star and so valuable. So I'll put that in the show notes for people who want to explore. Great. Um, thank you for that. So the question of what is next in the psychedelic space? Is that right? Yes, for you. What's your personal? Everything has gone super well in 10 years. Like, it's perfect. We're having coffee in 10 years. Like, what's happened? Oh, my God. Well, for me in 10 years, to be very fair, I don't know that I will be in the psychedelic space. Um, That is a very long time. And I am in attunement to where spirit and source wants to carry me. And I do pray every day for source to align me with my highest expression. I feel like for me, the psychedelic space uh, has been um, uh, a, a very cool reality to explore. And I also recognize that there are many other realities, many other dimensions. And uh, as an explorer, I don't feel like this is where I will uh, reside for the rest of eternity. Uh, so I don't know if I will be here in 10 years, but uh, right now I'm very grateful to uh, be able to witness how uh, the field is unfolding. I'm grateful to uh, see organizations such as uh, Nectara coming into the space, how we're all learning and growing uh, together. Um, I do feel that, uh, as you mentioned, the collaboration is where it's at. The connection is where it's at. This is something that um, I learned, like a big lesson in my journey has been that, you know, you can, the visions are so huge, but to execute them in this dimension, it takes a village. And I've brought to life some pretty amazing visions through my business, but honestly, they're really too big to carry. Uh, on a single uh, pair of shoulders uh, as a human. So I'm seeing how we are returning to the tribes and the psychedelic community as well. Uh, I'm seeing how there will be more um, uh, groups that again, carry similar values, uh, obviously a lot more in the field of education. Um, What I'm really holding out for is to see how we can reinvent the idea of education and, uh, and psychedelic therapy. I feel like right now the field is overly relying on methods that we borrowed from a paradigm that did not work. Uh, for example, the uh, licensure board that I heard that MAPS is putting together for licensed psychedelic practitioners, uh, I feel like that is uh, a replication of the clinical licensure model. I'm not saying it's unnecessary or uh, wrong in any way, but I do feel like we can, there's certainly room to um, to be more imaginative and how we want to create a new earth paradigm that will not replicate the same results that the licensure board uh, boards got us to. Um, so I don't know what it looks like, but right now I do feel like there is room to go wild. Uh, so I am inviting uh, wild creativity into the space. I feel like the way to get there or to, to achieve that is by every person completely stepping into their authenticity uh, without, without uh, owning any narratives, not the societies and certainly not the psychedelic communities. I feel like the, there, there is a big lesson for us to learn in the community uh, with certain groups trying to shut down certain other groups 
you know, by not being scientific enough, not being proven enough, not being natural enough, not being this enough. I feel like there is too much of that going on. Um, and uh, we are all better off just uh, uh, remembering that uh, pluralism is where it's at, multidimensionality is where it's at, each person and each group will have their own medicine and it's all part of the greater plan. And really the, the mission that we're all on or the lesson is to embody loving kindness, no matter how weird, how bizarre, how quote unquote abnormal, uh, how, uh, you know, whatever frightening it may be to some people, but we are here to be free. We're here to embody freedom and, uh, and to bring the age of freedom to planet Earth. And the way to do that would be for each of us to be free in the moment and be authentic and just do us. And once that beautiful, uh, vibrant rainbow of, um, of all the emanations of God, once it is fully expressed, then we will know that we have succeeded in the psychedelic mission. Yeah. Beautiful. Radical authenticity and radical action. Radical right? authenticity uh, and radical action. You know, I feel like those are, that's also really important to remember that. And, uh, mm -hmm. uh I feel like, um, the, the second part, I feel like some people are really good at being authentic. Some people are really good at being and taking action. I feel like there's a lot of room to expand in the integration of both. How can we be radically authentic and contribute uh, and, and dare to sound our voice, dare to share our medicine, despite, you know, what other groups, organizations, you know, what, however they're trying to take over the space. Um, but yeah, mm -hmm. this is the age of the underdog, the age of the underdog. Yeah, right on. Yeah. Love, I love, I love the vision. I love where you're taking it and I love what you're saying in a very deep, authentic way. I really love that. Um, we're running a bit short on time, but if you'd like to share, I'd love to hear a bit more about your program coming up in January and, and how can people learn more about it? Thank you. Um, so we are, as mentioned, I do, I am the founder of a psychedelic integration coaching certificate program, which is one year long. And in addition to that, so that is level one and level one is what I call integration 1.0. And then level two of that is uh, a, a visionary business mastermind program called Soulpreneur. It is six months long. It is a container that's specifically designed for trained psychedelic uh, practitioners, psychedelic integration, support, therapy, facilitation. And, uh, and it's a container that we're basically, I, I want, I, I share um, everything I've learned in the last eight years as a psychedelic entrepreneur, I founded five psychedelic organ support organizations, including a nonprofit, educational um, methods. I've written uh, books on the topic and, um, of course, I have a coaching practice. So uh, I have a lot to share and I know that people are uh, interested in learning on how to create this modality, how to create, how to create, um, how to turn their passion for psychedelic therapy and healing into an abundant and, um, and reciprocal and right relations, career and right relationship and solo line career. So, um, the program that starts in January is exactly that. So it's half spiritual mechanics, again, soul alignment and half business strategy. 
Um, so that begins on January 17th and registration is now open and um, super stoked to open up this container for the community. Um, this is my, it's gonna be my fourth year of running my program. So I'm really, really stoked. We've come a long way and there's so much to share. And yeah, I just hope that it serves the right people as they make their way into the psychedelic revival. And more than anything, it teaches authenticity and radical action, which is, and right relationship, which is what we're talking about. So, yeah. Beautiful. I look forward to uh, learning more about it. And also I'll, I'll link the programs inside the show notes for anyone who is interested. And thank you so much for doing that work and for all the work you put in and the organizations and, and for really deeply embodying the lessons of the medicine in the everyday life. And I, I find that that has such ripples just by itself. So thank you so much, Siri. Really appreciate thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. thank you for the opportunity to share and blessings to you. Blessings to everyone. Thank you.